this is like the learn a word a day uh, <laughs> podcast. Like I didn't, I read this just this morning. Mm-hmm. The sanctified are not passive or quiescent. Q U I E S C E N T. It's quiescent. Okay. <laughs> All right. Andy is an idiot hour here. <laughs> Kind of a rainy week, wasn't it? It's, yeah, it it's was. just been. Uh, we had uh, we had new gutters put on, and it's kind of nice now when it rains because well, you know, we got a new roof too, and um, I always would have to go up in the attic and see if it had leaked, and I didn't have to do yeah. that last night, so it's good. Water is not your friend. Yeah. <laughs> Let well, me you tell you that too with your kitchen, right? Yeah, with my kitchen, well, water coming up from the floor, so. Yeah. Now, why did it happen again if it already was well, fixed um, once? it was a plumbing issue. Okay. Uh, and I think the first time around, I don't think the guys that uh, did the work did good work. They basically fixed what was broken but didn't yes. fix where the problem was they coming from. They didn't fix from. the problem. They just put a Band-Aid on it, yeah. it seems like. So how much do you get a day out of your insurance for food? Do you get 30 uh, well, bucks a day or we, something like that? We've been hitting them pretty hard. You know, we just <laughs> we just get what we want to eat, and then we send them the receipts. Oh, I got you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you've been just grabbing grabbing out to eat. Pretty yeah, much I'm not saying time. we go to the Waldorf, Waldorf Astoria <laughs> or anything like that. But <laughs> so where have you been? Getting yeah. You haven't just been eating fast food. Oh no, yeah. no, no. I mean, we really, we haven't been hitting them that hard. Yeah. We, you know, pizza and sure. I haven't made it to Mexican Village yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe tonight. Maybe tonight. Well, that's 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 one positive, but it's it doesn't it, you know having your kitchen all messed up yeah. is not is not great. Um, I think the fall colors are are on the downward uh, move too. Leaves are like crazy in our yes, yard. They are. Um, there was a week. Well, was it a week ago, Saturday or Friday, Saturday? It was a nice day, and the colors were just. I think they were just about at peak, and uh, it was beautiful. And then I think you know the beautiful leaves are a sign of, are are a mark of sin. Yes, they are. Right. Yes, they are. I mean, they're they're. They're beautiful, mm-hmm. but they remind us of death. Amen. It's like, amen. They do. Like, you know, it's 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 kind of a it's kind of a curious thing. We went up to Mackinac Island, and you can climb up to a high point and look out, and all you see are the different color trees. But in reality, it's just a mark that uh, of of the curse uh, that Adam and Eve brought. And thankfully, as we've been talking about, God has worked to uh, redeem us from that curse and all the different aspects of it. This is going to be our last week of this study. Uh, uh, we're here on a Monday, and glad you're listening. Um, if it's the first time you've listened or you haven't caught all the episodes, I encourage you to go to the website and um, listen to the back episodes if that interests you at all. We try to keep it at about 20, uh, 25 minutes maximum to uh, get you on your day there. Maybe that's too long. Maybe we should reduce a little bit. But uh, we've talked about all different kinds of aspects of, of what God has done for us uh, through Christ. And we come now to our last week on this and and just a few final thoughts on how salvation works itself out uh, in our lives. And we come now to more, uh, uh, I hope what will be a a encouraging uh, discussion today on sanctification. Um, The idea of sanctification is um, there's there's a couple, uh, there's, uh, there's two main 
aspects of it. You mentioned those to me even before we got started. So why don't I turn that to you to, to get us a running head start on this idea of sanctification, the two aspects of sanctification. Okay, first of all, people immediately jump to the purification aspect of it, and that is true. But the primary aspect of, of uh, sanctification is to be consecrated or set apart for sacred use. But the part that we're going to be discussing today is talking about the uh, purifying aspect uh, of being made holy, uh, because that's uh, the most prominent aspect of it, uh, that, that the way it's used in the New Testament. So when we talk about regeneration, justification, adoption, those are all instantaneous acts that happen at the moment of our conversion. I think they all, the back to back to back, I mean, they're, they're, they're indiscernible as far as it just they happen immediately and instantaneously. And sanctification, in a sense, does that, where it places us apart for sacred use. But then this is really the first in the step that is more of a process as well. And, and yes. you just said that's yes. what we want to focus on. I think mm -hmm. that's important for us to do that, is to focus on the idea of uh, what we would call like growth as a Christian. Or, um, or uh, the, I, I think, I think the, the main uh, components of this process is we want to see uh, the elimination of sin in yeah. our lives, yeah. the decreasing, decreasing presence in our lives, and then we want to be what the Bible says is conformed to the image of His Son. Amen. Um, what do you think about this verse, Derek? Out of Romans six, uh, six twelve through fourteen. Let me read these, okay. and, and we'll we'll jump ahead to it here. Um, do not let sin reign in your mortal body to make to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. And here's, here's the key thought, verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. What are your thoughts there? Okay, well, the first thing I think about when I think of sanctification is deliverance from the dominion of sin. And... Uh, one thing that I think this passage implies is that we are capable of living holy lives now. Prior to being uh, born again, prior to being regenerated, prior to being called and all of the rest within the, the Ordo Salutis, we didn't have the capacity to live uh, righteously because we were enslaved to sin. But I think this passage is saying that now we have the capacity and the choice to live a holy life. It says, sin shall not have any dominion over you. Murray says that that is not a exhortation. He says it is a, I wrote it down, an apodictic statement. Yes. In other words, a statement, statement without dispute. It's a, right. it's a factual statement. It's not, like, it's not like Paul is saying, boy, wouldn't it be nice now as a Christian mm -hmm. that you wouldn't give in to sin? You know, that, right. try your best not to give in to sin. It's mm -hmm. almost like an exhortation or a command. Rather, it's a statement that says sin does not have power over you anymore. Mm -hmm. Remember, uh, weeks and weeks ago, we talked about all the exigencies or the urgent needs in our lives that demand that God work to save us. And one of those that we, we was that we were in bondage to our sin right. and we needed to be redeemed. Mm -hmm. And we have been. And we have been. And so the, the point is that sin does not need to and should not rule over us anymore. In the past, we had no 
recourse. We just right. did because we're in bondage. And, and our natural pro proclivity was to live according to who we were at the time. Uh, so all we could do is sin. Uh, I wrote down a quote from the book uh, that Murray stated, I think it's very good as far as uh, sanctification is concerned. He said, the radical, uh, sanctification is the radical breach with the power and love of sin, which is necessarily the possession of everyone who has been united to Christ. Union with Christ is union with him in the efficacy of his death and in the virtue of his resurrection. He who thus died and rose again with Christ is freed from sin, and sin will not exercise the dominion. And he said two more things. There is a total difference between surviving sin and reigning sin. And then he also said it is one thing for sin to live in us, but it's another thing for us to live in sin. And all of this is saying you can live an obedient life. You can walk in holiness, but you have to make a qualitative decision to do so. No longer can we rely upon the fact, well, uh, the devil made me do it, or uh, I'm shackled by my sins, even though we will continually fall. Let me ask you what maybe some are thinking in a struggle that, that I tend to experience, frankly, Okay, so Romans 6.14 says sin will not have dominion over you. Sin will not have power over you. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a statement of fact. But I look at my life. I, I look back on my life since I became a Christian and uh, as a teenager, a young teenager, and I look, at, uh, I look at things I've done in my life and sins I've given in, into uh, throughout the course of my Christian life and even even into the present day where I continue to struggle with sin. Um, I mean, should I be concerned or should, maybe maybe I'm putting it for everyone who's listening, should, should we be concerned because we continue to sin when Scripture tells us, hey, as a, as a, as a Christian, you, you shouldn't be, you said difference between surviving and reigning sin, and I think, I don't want to speak for you, but right. for me, it's like, sometimes I feel like that sin is reigning, you know, because I, I give in to sins so much. Is that a, is that a, is it a good thing that I'm noticing that? Is it a bad thing I'm noticing that? What, or have you experienced that? What, what, what would be your advice? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I would be lying if I sat here and said that uh, I didn't experience those exact same things. Uh, the different it, difference is, uh, well, let me go back to what you were asking about. Is it a good thing to know that those things are happening? I would say that that's a blessing from God that we are able to recognize that we fall short of his glory. Because if we think prior to salvation, we may have felt some regret, but we didn't feel brokenness over it. We didn't feel contrition. We didn't feel as though we had offended a holy God. Does even that feeling mean that we're not going to fall short of his glory? No, we are going to do that. But I think that as believers, we are uh, acutely aware of the, the sin that still resides in us. Is it, is it the idea that the unbeliever who is truly unsaved sees that sin in their life and is almost like, well, I'm only human. Right. Right. And, and the, you know, and, um, God knows, you know, I'm going to fail. Mm -hmm. 
versus the person who is so sensitive to that sin, um, maybe has a tender conscience about sin too, and is is truly grieved by it, uh, yes. even though they continue to practice it. Right. Uh, I think that's the difference, right? Because oh, it's a, it's there, a big difference. Yeah, there's two statements that are encouraging, uh, and and they help me. Um, the idea that there will still be remaining sin, even in a regenerate person, because not until we are glorified, which is going to be our step later in the week, when God fully removes us from this earth and from all sin, but the idea that in the believer there will be conflict, um, there will be tension. Uh, in fact, the more growth we have, the more sanctified we become, the more we will recoil at every residue of sin in Amen. our lives. And, and the more we appreciate God and, and understand his holiness and, and, uh, and the gravity of our sin, the more conscious we are of our, of our sin. And there are two great men in the Bible that we can look to, one in the Old and one in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Isaiah, when, God, when he's confronted by the holiness of God, woe is me, I am a man undone. I'm a man Amen. with unclean lips. And then Paul in Romans 7.24, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? Here we have two of the perhaps greatest followers of God that, that lived, and they had that, they had that battle, mm-hmm. right? That conflict is real. You know, but praise God. I I say this, praise God for that conflict. Uh, I would think that if I could still sin and it didn't affect me in in the most visceral way, that I'd have to uh, question my salvation, first of all. Uh, And it could be that either I'm spiritually immature or maybe I just have a profession without the possession of the Spirit of Mm -hmm. God. Uh, but it is tr- it is truly a blessing to be able to say, I know when I've fallen short of God's glory, and I can admit that, and I can even confess it, knowing that Christ is going to cleanse me of that sin. I think you and I have talked about it before, too, when we, obviously, we've talked about it personally and privately, about uh, sins and growth and sanctification and grieving over sin. And then there are those who tend to always be pointing the finger outward at culture right. and society and can't even acknowledge, and we've known people that, that would not even acknowledge, I'm talking about church-going people, religious people, even people who would claim to be All Christians, right. that cannot acknowledge personally their own sin. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, a, that's a warning sign to me. Um, I look for it in my children. Mm -hmm. I want to see that in my children, Mm -hmm. that they acknowledge their sin, not just look at what other the other siblings are doing. And we must look for it in our brothers and sisters in Christ. Not that we're wanting to point out other people's sins, but for instance, with me, would would you say that in the time that you've known me, that I have acknowledged that I'm a sinner, and 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 even from the pulpit or personally have said those things? Yes, you have. Not not as a yes man, but it's just the truth. You have, and you have too. And that's something that Christians do. Right. If if I was always, or you were always, boy, we got to watch out for what the world's bringing in, you know, and never acknowledging that that sin is right, indwelling right, us. Right. Well, I appreciate the fact that, that you've dealt with this issue as a shepherd in our flock because that type of mentality has uh, lifted its ugly head a few times in, in our right, church. Right. Uh, and to where... Some individuals have 
uh, profess to be Christians, and yet they have no uh, compassion for those who are still in sin. Uh, the reality is, is if you're not a Christian, and this is not an excuse or a license for you, but if you're sinning, you're doing exactly what you're, you're uh, uh, what right. am I trying to say? You're, you're, that's how they're built. That's, that's how right. they're wired. That's right. right. They're supposed to be doing that. Is it right? No. But they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. But as believers, we should not become Pharisees, mm. pointing our <laughs> fingers at them and saying, well, look at what they're doing, because even in that, you're sinning. Yeah. Or even being sympathetic to people who aren't as far along in the sanctification right, process as right. you are, a younger Christian mm-hmm. or a person who hasn't come to certain conclusions or behaviors yet, because they're still growing. We've seen that Christian snobbery, mm-hmm. too, like mm-hmm. the idea that, well, no one is going to reach the pinnacle or level I have right. with Christ. And and it's, it reminds me of the Pharisee, the publican, uh, Pharisee and the public and the Pharisee saying, God, thank you that I'm not like him. Right. Whereas the publican is saying, God, be merciful right. to me. Amen. Isn't Amen. that the cry of the person who truly desires to be sanctified? Amen. I am a sinner. God, be merciful to me. Now, we're, we're, we've taken a, a little bit of time here and we're trying to shorten these a little bit. So let me ask this final question. Okay. Uh, we believe that the agent of sanctification or the way that we're changed is the spirit. And, and he Absolutely. uses the word yes. to change us. But yes. do we play a part too? Uh, do do we play a part in our salvation in this sense where it says in Philippians chapter 2 to work out our own salvation? That is not to say, of course, that we are earning uh, earning justification or all those things we talked about, but, but we are working out our present salvation mm-hmm. in our growth. How do we do that? How do we partner with the Spirit? What's an important thing for us to know Well, here? it's funny you should mention that passage because that's where my mind went exactly. First of all, we have to acknowledge the fact that because the Holy Spirit resides within us, now he has enabled us to work. Any work prior to the Holy Spirit uh, would be self-righteousness. But now we can live out the righteousness that the Holy Spirit has placed within us. So the Lord is not asking us to do something that he hasn't equipped us to do. Yeah. Did you, this is like the learn a word a day uh, (laughs) podcast. Like I didn't, I read this just this morning. Mm -hmm. The sanctified are not passive or quiescent, Q-U-I-E-S-C-E-N-T. It's uh, quiescent. Okay. (laughs) All right. Andy is an idiot hour here. Okay. What did you say it again? Say it again. Quiescent. Quiescent. What does it mean? Yes. It basically means, talking about passivity, it means that you're sitting back and you're allowing God to do the work. Okay, you're saved. The Holy Spirit resides in you. And now you will be so presumptuous that you say, well, God can do it for me. I can just kick back and, and right. rest on my laurels. Right, and the Holy That's Spirit, we, there, there's a real tightrope here, isn't it? Because the Holy Spirit does do the work. The Holy Spirit is the one yes, who changes us and mm-hmm. conforms us to be more in the image of God. But we can't mm-hmm. just say, well, Holy Spirit, do your work, right? right? And I'll wait right. for it to happen. So real practically, okay, we know the Holy we're we're we're, we're uh, assenting to the fact that we know the Holy Spirit has got to do the work. And yet we have to work too. So real practically, mm-hmm. if we're talking to our church members or we're talking to other Christians, and they're saying, man, I really... I want to become more sanctified. I want to grow in this process. I want to be more conformed to, to Christ. Practically, I mean, what, what do they need to do? What are, some, what are some key things that you've noticed have helped you become more sanctified 
or that, that you would suggest to people? Number one, you have to read God's Word. And once you've read His Word, obey God's Word. Yeah. Then the Scripture says that if you walk in the Spirit, in, in other words, according to the dictates of the Spirit, and the only way you're going to know how to do that, again, is through the Word, then you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. The Scripture, reading the Scripture on a regular basis is key. I think Christian fellowship is key. I don't think a person who absences themselves from church uh, and the family of God can find themselves growing. I've met a lot of those people. It's impossible. I've met a lot of those people. You know, they think they think they can grow on their own, and and they um, listen. The church is a group of broken, messed up people. Mm. Yes, it if is. If you are part of a church, you will be hurt by someone in the church. You yes. will be. You will be offended. You will be insulted. Right? We're, we're. I've probably done that. I, you know, to people, not intentionally, but just because we are broken, sinful people, we do that. But to make that a, a reason for not attending a local church or, or being as faithful as you can, uh, to those services, to Bible studies, to prayer meetings, to your Sunday evening services, whatever the church that you go to has. You need to take that opportunity. Amen. Talking to other Amen. more mature brothers and sisters in Christ, our relationship has had a great impact on my sanctification as I've heard you and prayed with you. And and so we can't pretend that this is, that going it alone is the way to grow spiritually. The Me Lord has no long range of Christians. Yeah. yeah. You know. That sanctification process. And, and I think as we see God in his word, and then we gather to worship him with other believers. We we do gain that appreciation for his majesty. We become more and more uh, that vision that Isaiah had in Isaiah 6. Amen. Holy, holy, holy. The only time that the superlative is used, you know, he is three times holy. Yes. Um, I think about Peter in the boat. Uh, mm-hmm. Depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful yes. man. Instead of comparing ourselves to others, which are somewhat of those, some, some it's of those Christians like to do. do, we compare ourselves to God and we sense that every infiltration of sin in our lives is an affront to his holiness. And we grieve over it, we sorrow over it, we repent over it, mm-hmm. and then we move on. We, 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 can't, um, we can't change things that we've done right. as much as we wish we could, but we can press on, Philippians 3, we can Amen. press on. Uh, for the prize of the high calling, calling in Christ God. Jesus. Yes, that's right. That's uh, this would be a, maybe a good subject for us to move on to with a with a new study. But uh, what we said about it here, um, you know, we, we we if you don't sense a conflict in your life over sin, right? That's a huge yeah. It's warning a, it sign. should be a major warning sign. If you don't, and and you said it, and maybe we're good to repeat it. That, that stuck out to me too. It's one thing for sin to live in us, which it does. It's another thing for us to live in sin Amen. and just stay in it apathetically, not concerned about you know um, how it's affecting us or or how much power it has over us. Amen. But it's a lifelong process, isn't it? Yes, it is. It won't be complete until the adoption of the body, when the Lord will redeem our bodies and transform us at the rapture, the resurrection, and we look forward to that. Have you found yourself like, I know we got to wrap it up, but have you found yourself maybe earlier in your Christian life thinking about heaven in the sense that I can't wait to see people and meet people and streets of gold and, and those things are something to look forward to. It's almost like 
man, the delivery from sin and the struggle with it and the temptation yes. of it and yes. the and the and the constant pressure and that you feel it from within. Not the devil made me do it, Amen. not the culture made me do it. You feel it from within and mm-hmm. you just are desperate for that the redemption of our mm-hmm. bodies, mm-hmm. right? It'll be an eternal sigh of relief. Yeah, what a way to put it. You know? What a way to put it. And 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 that's the danger of those who are just looking forward to heaven for its yes for its glories or whatever mm-hmm. which which I do look forward to those things and seeing family those who are die. actually peripheral when we, we talk about being delivered from mm-hmm. sin that's what Paul Romans 5 7 24 who will deliver me from the body of this death Amen. but praise God Christ Amen. has and is going to we look forward to that day huh well it makes you want to rejoice it does <laughs> it does I hope it does to anybody who's listening too and as always, we, we would appreciate feedback, but we, we want you to be encouraged and strengthened in your faith. That is the goal of our discussion. We said we would do it um, even if nobody listened. And I've been encouraged just by hey, our discussion this morning, and we look forward to Wednesday. And we hope you'll join us, Lord willing. We'll talk to you then.